I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Guys, it is New Year's Eve as I am recording this. I hate New Year's Eve, not a fan. I don't like staying up till midnight. I don't like wearing a tight dress. I do love glitter and sequins and drinking, but. Uh, I don't like big crowds. All in all, it's just not great. It's a trash holiday, but I am very excited that I don't have work today or tomorrow. So applause for that. Guys, I apologize. It has been so long since I have recorded. I really kind of just took off like the past two weeks of December. It was Christmas. I hope you guys had a lovely Christmas. I had the best time. And then my birthday is right after Christmas, December 28th. And I got such nice presents and messages from my friends. Thank you all so much. But if you really want to give me a good birthday present, why don't you go on and rate my podcast wherever you listen to it, or in particular, on Apple Podcasts. And if you go to ratethispodcast.com slash cute, it can walk you through the whole process. So again, that would be a really great belated birthday gift if you haven't reviewed the pod already. And considering that I've been a complete slacker for the past two weeks, it's probably time for me to get into the show. Also, but before I move on from my birthday, it is Capricorn season, so I hope you all are thriving. Saturn is ruling us right now in this Capricorn season of life. I thrive during Capricorn season until January hits. So for those, like, there's, like, a good week where I'm like, yeah, 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 and then I hate January. Maybe that's also why I hate New Year's Eve. It just, it ushers in January, which I'm not a fan of. Anyways, um, also, some of this news might be a little old because some of it was stuff I was going to do when I uh, was going to record two weeks ago. In my defense, my computer broke and I just got it fixed this morning. So part of it was due to that. Just to give myself a little little out there. It really, it was completely broken. Kenzie can vouch for me. It was broken, right, Kenz? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. It was stuck on a one black screen and it wouldn't do anything. Okay, she's canceled from this podcast. Okay, so our first thing of the day, the Lizzie McGuire reboot is no more. And I talked on here how excited I was about them doing a reboot of it. We talked about how there was some things up in the air because Hulu wasn't allowing them to take the creative direction they wanted to it because it was like going to be a little too risque. But it's like, come on, Lizzie's 30 at this point. I don't think they wanted her referencing sex or anything along those lines. And so Hilary Duff posted on her Instagram a little while ago and basically was like, yeah, it's straight up not happening anymore. It really couldn't take the direction it like I needed it to take and it was a really nice message she's like I loved Lizzie as much as you guys love Lizzie and I was so excited to reprise that role but it just wasn't right so who knows it's off the table for now maybe in a year from now things will be different I don't think COVID occurring with all of it helped so we'll see In this time since I've spoken to you, Evermore, the second Taylor Swift album of her folklore sisterhood, came out. I almost feel too far removed from when it first came out to even talk about it right now. Like, originally I was going to do like a mini track-by-track review, but I just don't have it in me. Um, But maybe we'll revisit that. Maybe when she releases her third album, which she's now like backtracking and saying that it's not going to happen, when people started getting crafty and thinking that the next one was going to be called... um, 
Woodvale. I still think there is a third, like there's going to be a trilogy in this album thing, but I think she was like, oh shit, people are on to me. So she might end up changing the name or the release date, but I just, this doesn't feel complete right now. It just Evermore feels very much like the center of a trilogy. And I really liked Evermore. I actually liked it more than Folklore. There was more songs on it that I didn't want to skip, you know? I don't know if everyone feels that way. I definitely felt that way. Things I've been watching lately. I watched Bridgerton. We are on episode seven of eight. Um, and I think we finished episode seven, so we just have one left. And, you know, I have my complaints about it. Everyone's, like, raving about it. I find Daphne very unlikable. I find the plot infuriating at times. I am not a historic romance fan, and some parts of it just watch very like what I imagine an historic romance is like and that's not my cup of tea my little sister Danny I'm sorry to out her on here but she is a huge fan of historic romances she gifted me one once that I still haven't read but like I now I feel like I need to just to kind of understand that world better I don't know. The show is fine. I'm a big Shonda stan. I love sort of the modernization of it, and I love how they use pop songs and they do string arrangements of it. That's all cool. But overall, mm, did I watch it almost all of it? Am I going to finish it? Yes. Not my favorite. Okay, so next up, also in this time, Ariana Grande and Dalton Gomez got engaged, and everyone says he looks like this like B-side version of Pete Davidson, or maybe like an improved, cleaned-up version of Pete Davidson, which I think is true. I don't really have much to say on it. I mean, I'm happy for her if she is happy. I hope this one ends better than the Pete Davidson engagement. I actually really like her ring, the the pearl. People are saying it came from her grandfather, that her grandma had originally had made into a ring, and then Dalton had it made into the engagement ring. And because celebs have so much money, I like when they do something a little bit off kilter, like instead of just having a huge rock. So I like that she has a huge rock, and it's kind of offset, and then the pearl next to it. I'm into it. And... <laughs> Uh, speaking of Ariana, I watched this ridiculous movie the other week on Hulu. It's called Spree, and it stars Joe Keery, who plays Steve Harrington on Stranger Things. And the reason I'm saying that Ariana Grande is a segment in, or segue into this story is because randomly Frankie Grande is in this movie. And then in the same scene as Frankie Grande, it's Lala Kent and Misha Barton, which are two people I never thought I'd see in a scene together, but I really loved it. It caught me so off guard and I love Joe Keery and he plays this very unhinged guy. The, the general premise of it is that he's this, guy who's trying to make it online which I relate to hello with my like 50 listeners you know and he's like sad because no one wants to listen to him and watch his videos so he decides he's gonna start just killing people willy-nilly and live stream it I don't relate to that part but (laughs) some of his victims end up being that threesome I just talked about and it's just so it was such a weird movie but again I think Joe Curie did a great job it's worth it for that little cameo from the three of them So one of the things I was going to talk about more in depth, but again, when I was originally going to record this, it was way closer in time to when this article actually came out. It was uh, the journalist in the pharma bro. So I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but you know, Martin Shkreli, I don't know how to say his name, Shkreli. He was the guy who was, you know, increasing the price on pharmaceuticals and then he was jailed for fraud. And one of the people who covered his story for... Bloomberg News. Her name is Christy Smith. 
And throughout this process of interviewing him and following his story, she falls in love with him. And so there was this whole tell-all kind of an L where she comes out and admits that they had a relationship. And the woman who wrote the article in L, the reason she got the story is because she worked uh, at like on the same beat as Christy Smith did. She worked for New York Times, but they would cover things from the same courthouse. And so they had like a little desk and a station at the courthouse together and they became close that way. And she kind of had this idea that there was something more between the two of them. And so she finally convinces Christy to give this story. And it's so fascinating because Christy comes across as I think very smart and not someone who would have the wool pulled over her eyes. But as the reader, you're kind of like, how did it come to be that she seems like she was so had the wool pulled over her eyes by this guy because she is so convinced that he's in love with her and they kiss for the first time in jail and they've never hooked up like beyond that. It's just they haven't had like a conjugal visit isn't that what it's called? Um, so it's just fascinating because she left her husband. She like just upends her whole life because she's in love with this Martin dude who's just kind of seems like a smarmy scumbag. But she's like, you know, what you see of him in the public eye isn't really how he acts. And it's not how we acted together. And it wasn't the face he showed me. But then the real kicker at the end of the story is the writer of the L article reaches out to Martin in jail for a comment on the article. And apparently he just wasn't very responsive. And the only thing he says is basically like, I wish her well, but you know, nothing more is coming from this. So he says, Mr. Shkreli wishes Miss Smith the best of luck in her future endeavors. And that's all he says. And then she just like is kind of devastating. And she she's her eyes are wet. Her voice is quavering. And she says she will continue to wait for him while he serves the remaining years of his sentence. I'm going to try. She says, I'll be here. So I just thought this whole story, it's definitely worth reading the whole article. And then the cut did another article where they talked to the author and asked her how she got the story and just kind of her thoughts and takeaways from it. So I think reading those in conjunction with each other is well worth a read. Moving on, let's go to something a little lighthearted to kick off this new year. This is called 2020 was a year for short Kings by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. Now last year we recapped the big boys of 2019. So let's get into the short Kings this year. And this is how Sanjita describes a short King. She says, naturally, they'll be under six foot, but you'll notice the short king's regal comportment before anything and the way the big dick energy suggests an intangible charisma. The short king's height only compounds their magnetism. So here's the cuts list. So first off, they have Paul Meskel of Normal People and his sexy chain necklace. They say that he's one of the more prominent short kings of the year. Now, I only watched one episode of Normal People. I couldn't get into it. I definitely see how he is very attractive. Just like wasn't vibing with that show. Didn't really like the girl character. 
wasn't into it. Maybe I should have given it another chance, but honestly, there's just too much TV to watch. I can't be bothered. If I'm going to suffer through eight episodes of Bridgerton, I can't watch all of normal people, you know? Next up, Dr. Fauci. He stands at a slight five foot seven, but apparently he played basketball in high school and it didn't stop him from being a feisty point guard in short shorts and striped socks. Aye, aye, aye. Then we have Quavo, a five foot ten king. And it describes how he had a beautiful 2020. He found love after sliding into the DMs of rapper Saweetie. I had no idea that Quavo and Saweetie were a thing. And apparently they did, GQ did a profile on them. And she says it's one of the loveliest reads of the year. So how the fuck did I not know about this? It's what I'm going to go read immediately after I finish this podcast. And I hope you do as well. Then we have Big Baby next on the list. Now, this was just a viral video of a big baby who looked like a full-grown man. Um, I didn't find it particularly cute, but to each their own. Next up, I Kenzie's going to love this one. Do you have any guesses, Kenzie? I'm going to love it. Yes. She just said Josh Hutcherson, which is accurate, but I don't think he had a very notable year. He's my short king. Okay, guess again. It's of the animated variety. Um, No, it's Aang. Oh, he's 12. Aang's not a short king. Well, this says... Aang is the Lilliputian 12-year-old who saves the world from evil. Now, nothing made me feel le- more left out this year than not watching Avatar. Avatar. I'm Guys, so sad you didn't watch it. Also, I'm sorry. My voice is so rusty. I swear, whenever I take a week off, I just like need a week to get into the swing of things. I'm really struggling today. Anyways, my siblings are obsessed with Avatar. It's the animated series. It was originally on Nickelodeon. I got my brother an Avatar-themed gift for Christmas. Um, it was an Avatar shirt. It was from Urban Outfitters. It's actually really cute. He already wore it. I took a picture of him and it. Very adorable. Um, but yeah, I feel really left out that I haven't gotten on the Aang train. So maybe, is it Aang or Ong? Oh, okay, good. I was okay. Good, good. That's what I thought, but then I got worried. Then we have the veg guy on Twitter. wasn't familiar with him, but it looked like this old guy who grew vegetables, which dream life. Then there was Bad Bunny. So he's five foot eleven. He's kind of bordering on not being a short king, if you ask me. But he did make history with being the first Spanish language number one album, and that was after he secured the title of the world's most fashionable pop star. So pop off, Bad Bunny. Then, last but not least, certainly not least, we have the five foot six inch tall Chris Messina. As you know, Sanjita says he's the king of her heart forever. She did that really great interview with him this year. Loved it. Highly recommend. Okay, yeah, Christmas Cena, he, he, he should be the short king. Okay, yes, agreed. He wins. He wins. All right. Next article. Nobody knows how to be a grown-up. Least of all, Cecily von Ziegzer. Ziegzer? Ziegzer? The Gossip Girl author has a new novel, Cobble Hill, about Brooklyn parents. And this article is by Carenza Cadenas. Guys, am I so behind on this? Did y'all know that she wrote a book about Brooklyn parents? I mean, this sounds right up this podcast alley, but I just didn't know about this. And, you know, I read a lot of the Gossip Girl books before the show came out, but I didn't. There were so many. I think I probably read like four or five of them. Um, So 
I, I had to read this article. So it says, after becoming famous for writing about teenagers who act like adults, she's written a novel about adults who act like teens. Her characters develop crushes on all the wrong people, smoke super strong pot, drown in their own angst, and even engage in some light larceny, all while their own teenage kids roll their eyes. Now, this article also has some background about Cecily, which I didn't know. She met her husband. She moved to England with him. And while she was in England, she worked as an assistant editor for children's books. And before she turned 30, she remembered some advice she had got earlier on by this woman whose last name was Paley. And Paley is a renowned author. And her advice to Cecily was that she was too young to be writing about adults when Paley read um, a story that Cecily wrote and it was a short story about an Upper East Side mom. So she started working at another company. It was called Alloy Entertainment. And that's when she started writing what would become Gossip Girl. So I think it's really full circle that her first like short story was about an Upper East Side mom. And now she's writing about Brooklyn parents and she's actually 50 now. And this article goes on to say, the messy aspects of life don't stop once you become an adult. When people talk about adulthood, I'm still not exactly sure what that means or where that point is when we cross over into adulthood, she said. There's a lot of that in Cobble Hill. They're trying to figure it out and where they belong. That's something that I'm constantly interested in figuring out in my writing. And guys, I have a come to Jesus moment like that, like at least once a day where I'm like, why am I so juvenile? Like my interest, the fact like when I'm with my parents, I just am like, I miss my mommy. Like I become a literal rug rat. Like there, I don't understand when I'm going to start feeling like an adult. Like I own a house. I have a full-time job. I have a dog. Does it take having your own kids? Because I'm not even sure that would do it for me. Um, I'm just like convinced I'm going to be a hundred years old. Like, God willing, I make it that long and I'm going to feel exactly the same as I feel now. And that is scary. It just me. Anyways, next article. Hilaria slash Hillary attempts to explain herself by Amanda Arnold. Now, I would think that most listeners of this podcast have probably already become very familiar with this story, but I am going to try to give you a succinct little recap before we get into this article. Okay. Hilaria Baldwin is Alec Baldwin's wife and she is 36 years old so she is much younger than him. Together they have five children so she's notorious for popping out children very quickly and then bouncing back with her post-pregnancy body. She's vegan, she does a lot of yoga, she's always taking pictures on Instagram like with her hot bod and like in these yoga poses. So sort of annoying, I'm sure for anyone who has given birth or people like me who haven't given birth, but look like maybe they have. So I don't know how she bounces back so quick. Maybe it really is that vegan diet. Who knows? So there was kind of a convergence of events that happened here. But Amy Schumer posted an Instagram kind of mocking Hilaria Baldwin and making a joke about you know, her body bouncing back after a baby so quickly. Then Hilaria did a response to this. And in the response, people started noticing that her accent was kind of like not there. What she normally has is kind of a Spanish accent. And people are like, huh, it just doesn't sound like her normal accent in that video. Now, around the same time, an anonymous... Oops, sorry. Around this time, an uh, anonymous Twitter account tweeted something along the lines of, 
My favorite grift is Hilaria Baldwin pretending to be Spanish like her whole life when she's really not. And then Tracy Morrison, who's kind of like known as uncovering shady shit on Instagram. Some people are very like for her. Some people are very against her because she's kind of controversial. Tracy Morrison is. She did this whole story highlight explaining why Hilaria Baldwin is not who she says she is. And she tracked it back saying that she was grew up in Boston. Her name is actually Hillary Hayward Thomas. Her parents are not Spanish. Her parents, one was a lawyer, one worked in journalism, I believe, or it was a professor. They did travel to Spain when she was younger, but there was no like actual Spain connection between Hilaria like there was nothing that would make it so she has a English or a Spanish accent and people from high school started tweeting and saying you know I knew her growing up we did ballroom dance together she definitely did not used to have a Spanish accent and she definitely used to go by Hillary so everyone was just kind of like what the hell is going on and then they were uncovering all these like clips of her so if you've seen jokes about cucumbers it's because there was a clip of her on the Today Show where she's like oh how do you say in English um cucumber you know and it's like okay what like you grew up in Boston honey and again I totally get just having like a brain fart and not knowing the word for something but it's very clear she's speaking in an affected accent in these videos of her talking so everyone kind of thought okay she's probably just gonna let this go by the wayside and nothing's gonna happen But then she gives this article, or I'm sorry, this interview to the New York Times. And in it, you know how I talked about the anonymous Twitter user who initially said that tweet about her favorite Griff story? Well, that girl is still anonymous, or guy, because they're worried about Alec Baldwin freaking out on them and punching them in the face because he is known as being volatile. Like he left that crazy voicemail on his like nine-year-old daughter's Think, calling her a, like a sloppy pig or something like that. He got in fights with paparazzi. He's known as just being kind of problematic. So I do not blame her for being scared of him. Okay, so the cut recaps this New York Times article, and it says, unlike her backstory, Baldwin's new defense does not waver. In the interview, she claims that she's always been upfront about growing up in Boston and that she's not to blame for all the misconceptions about her heritage. As for all the evidence to the contrary, including two cover stories from Ola magazine that call her a native Spanish speaker, well, she says she didn't read them, so she couldn't have corrected the record. The prolific Instagram user who frequently shares baby photos and workout routines with her 879k followers also periodically returns to the idea of boundaries and privacy and explaining why she hasn't for example publicly spoken that much about her upbringing and parents Catherine Hayward and David Thomas so that was the other thing is that she gave these interviews with Ola magazine and all of her kids are named Spanish names and even on her uh agency little blurb it identifies her as being Spanish and she's like oh well I just didn't read that either and it's like are you kidding and she's like oh I don't do a lot of work I think it's with CAA she's like I don't do a lot of work with them anymore so I don't know and it's just like honey what like I think people maybe would be more receptive to her if she was just like yeah you know what I fucked up that was like kind of appropriative of me. I just really respect that culture, but I shouldn't have like tried to make it my own in a shady way. But that's not what she's doing here. She's just digging that hole. So 
she also declined to specify how much time she actually spent cumulatively in Spain. And to the time, she says, I think it would be maddening to do such a tight timeline of everything. You know, sometimes there was school involved. Sometimes it was vacation. It was such a mix. Mishmash. Is that the right word? I mean... (laughs) Again, the vagueness of it. I think instead of saying like, oh, I don't want to give this tight timeline. She could have just been like, oh, I spent a few years there here, you you know, here and there, like during this time of my life. I don't know, something like she's just, again, like the foot in the mouth. And then when she is trying to explain why she says going home when she's talking about traveling to Spain, which to be fair, her parents and her older brother did both move to Spain and now live there. And they moved in like... 2011 around that time she says this home is where my parents are going to be if my parents move to China I'm going to go to China and say I'm going home and I mean that raised a few eyebrows (laughs) with everyone um because you know I do always say I'm going home when I go to my parents but it was also like my childhood home that I grew up in most of the time I lived there like it's not where I was born but from the time I was in like second grade till I went to college I lived there so I don't know. It's just, to me, it's so clear that this was a ruse she was putting on. Like, nothing describes why she has this fake accent. Like, you had English-speaking parents. Not not only are her parents American, they are, like, Mayflower Americans. Like, they're... American legacy goes way back. They are not like recent immigrants. Her grandparents aren't recent immigrants. No. She is, like, deep in the Mayflower, John Smith-ass American. So that's that. Um, Should we do one more article, guys? Okay, why not? This is just a short little blurb I wanted to tell you guys about because I was not aware that Jay-Z had made a luxury weed brand. So when I saw that Sanjita had an article called Is Jay-Z's Luxury Weed Any Good? I wanted to see if it was. So the brand is called Monogram. And she says it's fancy and that appealed to her because she likes fancy things, which I also do. But it's $50 a joint. Like, holy shit, I could buy a whole bottle of tequila with that. That is my drug of choice. So she describes it as a luxury weed. The packaging is very sleek and minimal and black, which I did like. There's pictures of it in the article. It's, it's very, very cute, very millennial. And she tries it. They try all the different types. There's this one that's like kind of fat it's like a fat weed thing and it's shaped like a cigar almost I feel like that would knock me on my bootay but her and her boyfriend and a couple friends they all try it and this is her overall review she says well not the best weed they'd ever had all of the testers agreed that monograms products were excellent and made for an opulent smoking experience that would be worth the occasional splurge I'd certainly recommend it as a tasteful weed gift for the smoker in your life so for any of you guys in states that uh legalize recreational weed use try it out let me know how it goes Now on to legit shit for the day. Guys, this is something I got as a Christmas present and I have been loving them. They're from the brand Stoud. If I'm saying that right, S-T-A-U-D. They make those very cute little purses. Kendall Jenner loves their purses. They have this pack of silk masks or satin. They're very soft. They feel like silk. They each come in their own little color-coordinated matching bag. We got them for Christmas and we all split them up among us which I think is a great way to do it because it's like $95 for a pack but you get 
10 or 12 I think so you can split them up amongst people and they only come out to being you know not very expensive per each mask and they really are nice they have little holes to put in your little mask chain so I just want to point those out to you guys I will of course link them in the show notes thank you for coming along on this somewhat of a struggle bus episode with me here's to 2020 being that year that I go full time with this put in the work stop being a lawyer just trying to oh did I say 2020 okay We're manifesting 2021 to be the year that this podcast really pops off. So share it with your friends if you like it. If you didn't like this episode, maybe give another one a try. And I will see you next week. Bye.